It's HBR, All Things Considered, and I'm Dave Lawrence, continuing our Off the Road series. Today, welcoming back one of the greatest guitarists of all time, Joe Satriani. Satch is back with The Elephants of Mars, his new album recorded remotely during the pandemic. We're listening to the new song Sahara right now. He's also been doing appearances with his artwork, we'll hear, as we connect with the legendary guitar virtuoso Joe Satriani, who joined us from his house in San Francisco as he returns to HPR's Off the Road. So uh, a huge aloha and mahalo, first of all, Joe. Welcome back. Uh, thank you. Very nice to be here. So fill us in on stuff you were up to since we last spoke in the summer of 2020. The routine that developed was a lot of music started to come into the studio. I would record a lot of stuff. But then once the record really got finished and I had all these paintings to do, over 100 canvases to paint, Last weekend, I was in Miami attending my very first gallery exhibitions of my artwork. That was surreal. I never thought I'd ever be walking into a gallery and seeing my paintings on the wall and having people buy them and spending time with people. That was a cool thing, actually, spending time with people again. I'd missed since, you know, the early days of 2020. And all masked up? Yeah, everybody masked. And even though it was Florida, everyone was masked and everyone was really cool about it. And when people decide to purchase a piece, we come into a back room and I get to spend 15 minutes with them and tell them what went into painting it, what I was thinking. <laughs> what got you into doing it? Because you do all kinds. You got the comic book. You're kind of like into all this yeah. different stuff. It's always been a part of your life, I guess. And it just matriculated it has, to yeah. this. Because I, I, you know, I grew up, uh, my two older sisters have degrees in fine art and they huh. became professional artists. My dad could paint, even though he rarely did. But, you know, I was the crazy musician in the family and couldn't draw a straight line. I was always drawing horrible sci-fi faces, but it didn't really turn into something until probably the extremist album. I had spent a good five months living in a hotel room in LA trying to finish that record and started to draw more. And it wound up in that CD booklet. And then the images wound up on tour t-shirts. Then they became picks and then like guitar straps. And it just grew into something much bigger. And how do you do the business part? Like, is it an agent who negotiates how you're going to make the dough off of that? (laughs) That is a great question because... What I found out was that the art world is crazier than the music world. And I thought there was nothing crazier than music business, but it's, yeah, it's crazy. So yeah, you've got agents, managers, gallery people. And then the whole thing about you have to go meet people. You can't just send them the artwork and say, send me the check. It's very much like the music business. You have to go on tour. So what I do is I'll do the artwork and I'll show up and meet the fans. Everything else in between, I have people handling that for me. (laughs) On the other side of it is the music. And so you you have this new record, The Elephants of Mars. I don't see tour dates, though. What's the next plan for playing the music? And are you a little apprehensive doing it while all this stuff is going on? Yeah, yeah. I tell you, the scariest component of touring is the tour bus. How to keep the crew and the band safe seven days a week, traveling on a little tube (laughs) through 17 countries in Europe. It's communal living, and we can't really control who we might meet for a second and what we might bring back into the little circus. And eventually, we all have to take our masks off and sleep on this tour bus. So it's going to happen. Someone's going to get ill, and it means that 
we may be in a country where they've got very strict uh, uh, restrictions, which means we may have to suddenly quarantine. Blow the whole tool uh, apart is what you're saying. Yeah, the whole tool f- falls apart. Economically, I can't withstand the tour being sidelined and then losing all those dates. And so you haven't played live yet since this happened. You've been sidelined the entire time. The entire time, yeah. And my band and crew have been really great, you know, hanging in there and standby while we're all waiting. I've got friends who work with the Rolling Stones. They're playing these huge places. They all have separate dressing rooms. They all fly privately. They can afford to do that to maintain a very high class bubble, but most of us can't. <laughs> so we're waiting. You know, you just mentioned uh, the Rolling Stones, and one of the fascinating things about talking to uh, our esteemed guest Joe Satriani, one of the greatest guitar players of all time. Now you're an artist too, and so you have this whole <laughs> other thing. But tell the story of how it happened, and first meeting Mick Jagger, who you would work for. Yeah, it was such an unlikely story, but starting with late 87, I finish Surfing with the Alien. It gets released. It surprises the record company because it charts. It landed on Billboard charts at 185. I was completely, you know, surprised. Like, how is that possible? (laughs) So the the label president calls me up and he says, you know, you're going to have to put a band together and tour. And I said, I've never like taken the stage and played instrumental music before. I don't have a band. This is just like a one-off thing. I thought you guys were going to fire me, run me out of town, you know? And he's like, no, 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 book a tour. So we booked this little tour playing two shows a night at these small clubs. Within the first week, I find out I'm losing like eight grand a week, which I don't have, you know, and I'm thinking, what am I going to do? You know, and all of a sudden the next day phone rings it's one of my former managers. He goes, oh, I got a good one for you. How would you like to audition for Mick Jagger's band? And we sat there and just laughed on the phone for a minute because he knew like I was the wrong guy. I'd never <laughs> do it. But he also knew that I'd be like, I'm definitely going just to go. Yeah, you yeah. know. And so it turns out that Mick's been in New York City for about six months and he'd been there rehearsing his first solo tour. Jeff Beck was the first guitar player. He left. They had auditioned about 60 people. And the people at Bill Graham Presents, they were not yet my managers, but I had asked them to manage me a couple of times. And they were producing the show for Mick. So my name comes up, Doug Wimbish, the bass player, Hmm. held up a guitar world and said, I met this guy six months ago. He's pretty crazy. Let's get him in here. And Bill Graham people said, oh, we know Joe. He lives in the San Francisco area. We can call him. So I'm supposed to play at the bottom line about two days later. So I'm heading to New York anyway. So I go to the city. I walk in there and I'm basically just playing with the band. No Mick. Simon Phillips on drums and Doug Wimish on bass. Lisa Fisher's there singing. Phil Ashley on keyboards, just like the greatest musicians. Then all of a sudden, Mick comes walking in. The funny thing was, is he had just done an interview for something a little bit more conservative. So he's wearing like a Cosby sweater or something, (laughs) you know, totally different kind of thing that I was expecting. But he comes in and he goes, oh, man, I've been listening on the other side of the door. I just love it. You know, let's keep going. And he just he was like the funniest, most relaxed party guy ever. And we just ran through a bunch of stone songs and blues songs. And he just wanted to have a good time. And then he just said, I really want you in this band. And would you say yes? Would you join us? And I just said to him, well, yeah. uh, Yeah, great. I'm on tour. I said, I'm playing at the bottom line. You want to come down and sing a song? And then I thought, I mean, I heard myself say it. I thought, what? (laughs) How presumptuous of you, you know? 
But he looked at me and he went, yeah, I'll be there. Whoa. Uh, and then so the next day we're at the bottom line and I tell the guys, you know, this is going to sound really weird, but I think Mick Jagger's coming. And they're like, yeah, yeah, sure. Right. So, of course, Mick shows up. They didn't know you had that. Uh... No, they knew it, but they just figured that they took one look at me and said, no, sorry, you're not what we're looking for. Because I've never really looked the part, you know, I mean, it didn't look like Ron Wood or something like that, you know. <laughs> but Mick shows up and he just like a regular guy. He comes backstage, which is a kitchen, you know, if you've ever been to the bottom line, it's just teeny little room. One fruit basket you get for four sold out shows. No. That's what we got. One, they didn't replenish it. Oh my God. But, you know, Mick shows up, he doesn't care. And he goes, What are we playing, Joe? And I said, uh, How about Red House? And he went, Yeah, okay, just call my name and I'll jump on stage. And he walks out. And the other guys are like stunned, like, That was just Mick Jagger. So there we were. And we finished the set. And so I told the audience, uh, I had a friend who was going to come up and sing a song and give him a break. <laughs> And that was the extent of my comedy routine. Anyway, and then Mick comes running on and the place totally exploded. I just was like one of those things where you you think you're all that. And then a real superstar shows up and, you you know, you shrink and then they grow and you go, okay, this is this is the real deal here. And and he charmed the audience and he sang great. And And how many people are in the crowd? It's one of those little places, too. Little places. One hundred, one hundred fifty. And tomorrow we'll hear how Joe and Mick Jagger went from playing a small club with an audience of 150 to massive stadiums, some with over 100,000 people, plus unusual star encounters, as we conclude with guitar hero Joe Satriani. Find this in the complete Off the Road series at hawaiipublicradio.org slash off the road. I'm Dave Lawrence.